We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you. Today we are going to be going through a 36-pick or a three-round 12-team dynasty mock uh, rookie draft. Um, So basically running through the receivers, the running backs, all the fantasy uh, eligible rookies that are going to be taken in drafts uh, this coming April from obviously a fantasy uh, perspective. Uh, Before we get started, Mario, I know I bummed you out earlier with with some some Brewers news that was unwelcome, Uh. but I got something to cheer you up. I saw really? that there's a Deadwood movie coming out on HBO this spring. That is cool. I've I've been I, I knew about that. Unfortunately, it's been like, I should have known. It's was... been like five years that they've been saying they're going to do it, and I just it's some, uh, to be clear, I was happy to hear it when I when I heard that. But I was for a long time. I was like, they're never going to do it. I mean, Ian McShane. Thank God. I mean, he's still going, but that guy's like eighty or something now. You wouldn't guess it. He's he's doing that. I would say he's doing even better version of the William Shatner thing where you're 113 years old, but you look like you're for some reason like 58 or something. Uh, Ian McShane, very, he he was pretty old back when Deadwood was originally on and he's a pretty old now. It's been like 15 years or something. Now that you mention him, he was also the the stepdad in Hot Rod that we were talking about. Oh, really? I did not know that. Most people have seen him on, most people have seen him on American Gods by now. And apparently that show has just gone into uh, the the deep toilet in its second season. Uh, But any stars? Yeah, it's the first season was like, I don't know, it was vaguely promising, still very weird show. I was basically only paying attention because Ian McShane was in it. Uh, But yeah, him as Al Swearingen in Deadwood, this is kind of one of those cliche things. It's like as, as cliche as it is to be like, my favorite show is the wire. It's also pretty common from what I've seen to be like, my favorite acting is, or, you know, my favorite character in a thing is Al Swearingen and Deadwood. But I am one of those people. I'm like elsewhere. I'm also to be totally transparent, limited background in film. I am not a film expert. So disproportionately, my understanding of film is TV. So limited frame of reference but i i think al swearingen uh, played by ian mcshane is just out of this world acting so you're more metrics than, than film i'm just kind of the guy who i don't know i th- I'm, I'm the person who thinks every like leading rusher in the sec is the best running back ever 
And I don't, I, I can't grasp yet that sometimes things are more complicated than that. Yeah. Still working on that too. Actually, I'm still working on object ter- permanence as well. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it takes a while. Sometimes you got to make adjustments, counter adjustments, and eventually you might, you might not be like, oh, holy wow, he's back. <laughs> eventually you'll just be like, I know what happens after this. Exactly. And that's where we are. We, we know when that hand goes up over the face, I, I don't go anymore. Like where'd the face go? I, now I'm like, I, I bet I get the, yeah, I bet I, I know it's, I, I played I, peekaboo before. This isn't my first rodeo. Yeah. I'm fading the, uh, f- the face is gone forever this time. <laughs> okay. okay. So we're off to a blazing hot start. We're staying on topic. True. And, uh, as we always do actually though. So, um, but all right, without further ado, let's get into it. Mario is going to be drafting first. So he'll be ha- having the, uh, odd numbered selections in this one. I will be, uh, with the even numbered selections. So I'll be picking second overall. So Mario, why don't you kick us off and give us a little bit of rationale behind your number one overall player? Yeah, I'm sticking with DK Metcalf and he was who have had f- like one a with the one B one C being AJ Brown and kill Harry for a while now the combine didn't change that i know a lot of people are concerned about the agility drills but i think it's more more likely the kind of thing where the people who are really concerned about dk metcalf's agility drills just didn't like him in the first place and now they're just kind of looking at that as a way to go i wasn't you know they didn't see the 433 coming and so they're like god you know maybe i'm still right though because those those agility drills are very bad and it's one of those things where i think it's pretty clear that dk metcalf wasn't actually training for those because if he had trained for those the guy training him would have been like "Ooh, uh the clock says that's not so good uh decalin maybe don't do that at the combine it seems like he got to the combine after pretty much just training for the jumps in the 40 and, and crushing some, those right and somebody was like will you do these too and he said sure and he if because if he had known if he had tried them before he would have known he was bad and if he had known he was bad why would he say sure when someone asked him to do it it just right. doesn't really add up so We've like we talked about before, like Josh Gordon, Mike Williams, Calvin Johnson, certainly other players, and specifically big receivers like DK Metcalf, had no testing for agility drills. So if he had just not tested for that, does that if that changes your opinion a lot? I think the method might be a bit off, and I don't blame anyone for finding him, uh, you know, being anxious about him, especially because there's so many good receivers in this draft. But I'm willing to chase the upside if only because I figure like in the second round i can get another good receiver and true. and i don't think i'm going to find one as as anywhere near the upside of metcalf in the second yeah the the you know upper end of the range of outcomes for for metcalf is some some like wild you know taking right. over the league type of stuff yeah he looks like you know to josh gordon kind of athlete at a glance and it's just like i don't even i don't need to watch him play a whole lot i'm willing to gamble on that generally and none of the you know past injury things really changed anything for you or, or factor into your concern at all if it was like recurring knee ligament things recurring hamstring recurring quadriceps something had, like that a bad hip and ankle yeah if, that, if it was that kind of thing if he had ligament damage or something but it's he had a broken foot which apparently was not an issue or at least it hasn't been since he broke it three years ago or whatever it yeah, was second game of 2016 right and then the neck it's like you'd think that would be addressed pretty quickly by the combine medicals so yeah if we get williams came back from that the clemson mike williams yeah yeah totally so i'm not worried about the injuries i think to call him injury prone is objectively irresponsible he's 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 had bad injury luck and if he if he gets uh, another if he breaks that same foot again then it's just sea of red flags like it's you know really bad if that kind of thing happens but barring that i don't think there's anything to read into at all about his durability okay fair enough so i I, you know it's hard to argue with with that being the the number one overall pick i think you brought up you know great points across the board and again you know when you're going at the number one here and there's there is a bit of a safety net too with with the depth at the receiver position there so um, I'm swinging for it's almost the opposite of how you do a draft in a when you're taking a whole team it's like you want to swing for the fences later so you don't end up with just a, a pit for a starting lineup but here it's like these are rookies there's a chance you're going to miss on them anyway and when in the wide receiver class is this deep it's like you can get a bunch of decent like slot wide receiver two type guys in the second even the third round the to guy is only dk Metcalf. yep yep exactly so again uh i thought that was a a solid first pick i I was glad to give you the first pick so i wouldn't have to choose between him and his teammate aj brown who i picked uh, second overall in this one 
I've been an AJ Brown guy since you you remember like since he was a freshman player yeah. with Shea Patterson. I, yes. I just thought that he looked different, um, and I, I I know that he's not uh, doesn't have like the great height or anything, and he's a, he's a bit stocky with his build. But I mean, we're talking about a guy that just has, is automatic with his hands. Uh, two years ago in 2017, when he was a sophomore, the first of his two multi or first of his two thousand yard seasons, um, he caught seventy five out of ninety seven targets. And I know that working out of the slot helps uh, up the. That's uh, insane, the no matter there, how he does just it. Bonkers, and it, you know it's not like he's going against scrubs here. He's going against you know very legitimate uh, SEC secondaries, and and he was you know really one of the main threats of that offense, if not the main threat. Um, so defense is keying on him, and then still not being able to stop him. That that kind of emboldened me to have him as my receiver one coming into this uh, 2018 season, and he did nothing to dissuade me uh, there. 85 grabs, 1,320 uh, yards. The touchdowns came back down to earth a little bit. He had 11 on 75 catches in 2017. De- drops back down to six in 2018. I'm not going to penalize him too hard on that. No. And, and a bit of the knock on him was, oh, he's just a slot guy again. But um, they bumped him outside after Metcalf was injured. And if you throw on, say, the Texas A&M film uh, when they played each other he looks like he can he can move around in space a little bit out there too and he's just so nasty after the catch um just really 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 strong uh definitely not afraid to go over the middle so i think he's a guy that's going to be a day one contributor in the nfl a guy that um can be counted on uh both inside and out however they want to use him i think dealer's choice i think it'll work out uh fine either way maybe start him out in the slot um just maybe a little bit of an easier transition there but uh as far as uh, things go with Metcalf being off the board there. Brown is pretty safely uh, the next guy for for me. And again, it's sort of like that 1A, 1B uh, type situation. So I felt good with going Brown at two there. Yeah, definitely. I, I have DK Metcalf at one still, but only still in the 1A sense. Like I think Brown is 1B for me. And I would never argue against somebody taking him first overall even. I think there's a pretty good chance he and Metcalf could both be top 20 picks. There's... I I was pretty skeptical or there was a ton of momentum for AJ Brown to be regarded as like a rare wide receiver one prospect about a year ago right and I was skeptical of that and then because at the time he hadn't played outside of the slot and at that point it wasn't so much that I reasoned like he can't play away from it it just exacerbated the concern that you can maybe have turning on the tape where it like he just doesn't look that fast and so you'd see him winning a lot against kind of like soft coverages against outside linebackers safeties or nickel corners who are all like five nine and when you're aj brown and you're 225 pounds just total muscle like guys like that are helpless they can't do anything against him but like you said when dk metcalf got hurt this year they moved him outside and then they had that freshman or whatever playing in the slot that small guy mm-hmm. and aj brown's Real numbers Sanders, did not really I think yeah and, and aj brown's numbers did not meaningfully change after that so um he also answered the speed concern by running the 449 at the combine because if you watch the tape of a couple of years ago it's like he's just like you know forearms to the clavicle over and over to like everybody attack uh, trying to tackle him and you could think like I don't know. Is that a fullback? I can't even tell what this is. It's like everybody just falls over when he touches them. And yep. uh, running the four four nine eases that concern, and the production otherwise is just a plus. So I, I don't know what he exactly compares to. I'm not quite on the Anquan Bolden thing because I thought Bolden was more explosive, more of a even more of a slasher. But I'm convinced that Brown can be his own thing, even if he's not comparing to somebody some prior case. Like I feel really comfortable with him in the first round. Fair enough. All right, so let's jump on pick number three. You're on the clock here. Still, still staying with that top three. And kill Harry. I'll take at number three, and he's a guy who I don't have as much star power, uh, you know, hopes for. Certainly not as much as Metcalf, but not even as much as Brown because uh, the four four nine for Brown and the production that he posted in the SEC. Fair or not, I'm always going to value that a little bit more than comparable Pac-12 production. Yep. But Harry is a guy who, I, I don't know, maybe like Allen Robinson, I think, was the comparison that we that I was working myself up for, just okay. in case he ran a 4-6 or something like that at the combine, because his ball skills are nuts. Like I don't know how good he is at running routes, things like that, but even if he's bad at routes, he's so good at just going up in the, the air, taking the ball from everybody else around him. And even if that's all that he does, which it isn't all that I expect of him, by the way, he's also pretty creative after the catch. 
a lot of the time at Arizona State, uh, showed up to the combine 15 pounds heavier than his listed weight and still tested pretty good. He's not a burner or anything, but the vertical was great at uh, – 38 and a half 122 inch broad jump four five three forty uh that's that's technically a little bit below average but when you're 6 two, 228 and you have the ball skills that he does i i'm glad he kept I, i'm glad he added that weight because it's like the ball skills plus his ability to kind of like bully that makes his catch his target area bigger right and that's what he needs is to thrive is like present that target radius because if, if the quarterback just gets it in there he's probably getting the ball yeah, I think yeah, I think so. Yeah, as far as um yeah, when he's targeted, yeah, he's going to come down with it. Um So it's one of those things where I don't think he's as good as Brown or Metcalf, but if he ended up in a better offense than them, I could imagine him outproducing them. Okay. I had the the comp on on uh on Harry of Michael Thomas at least coming into the season. Sure. Um just seemed like a guy that yeah, might not have like the the craziest athleticism, but uh you know, like in the in your underwear and at uh Indianapolis or whatever, but when you're on the field, like he's he's an absolute threat. Uh, he's going to get the ball, uh, and there's not a whole lot you can do with it or do about it. So I really like his game a lot. Uh, really reliable hands and, and ball skills, like, like you're saying. So it's hard to argue against him at number three as well. I, I like him a fair bit. But um, moving on to pick number four, I'm going to go ahead and stick with uh, Emmanuel Hall nice. out, of, out of Missouri. Um, I think just the arrow continue, continues uh, to trend upwards for him. He's just done uh, he, so much over his his career at Missouri, being one of the uh, one of the best receivers in school history and playing this year. Played eight games, uh, was pretty dinged up for a lot of it. Wasn't even fully healthy at the combine, which he destroyed. Uh, you know, with, with the mm-hmm. with the great broad jump, with the with a forty yard dash sub four four. Doing Byron Jones yeah, stuff. Yeah, it just ridiculous. Uh, you know, the vertical at forty three and a half inches, and you know, checking in at, at around six two. I just think that there's so much to like about him, mm-hmm. and I think it, it it jives with his on-field production. I know he was never like a high uh, reception count uh, type of guy, so kind of opposite A.J. Brown in that respect. But in, in, at Missouri, uh, in his offense, when they, when they have a guy like Drew Locke back there, they're chucking it down the field, and he was really, really proficient on, on those on those deep routes. So I yeah. really like him as as a vertical threat that can you know kind of take the top uh, off of a defense in, in the combine, kind of just kind of – firmed that up for me and rose him up the board and, and with some other disappointing uh performances namely from the running backs and including pro day i'm sure we'll get to josh jacobs at some point yeah. in, in this draft here but um i just thought that there is so much to like about emmanuel hall uh where i wanted to make sure i ended up with him at four yeah i'm a fan of hall i think he can be a mike wallace will fuller kind of impact in the nfl uh he didn't have the volume like you said but he had extreme efficiency both in the catch rate and the yards per target so that's that's basically all i need to see is when a guy has those kinds of tools and he still outplays his environment like hall did i i stopped thinking about it it's like this is this is settled for me now one thing i i do wonder about him though is where his nfl draft ceiling is as far as him potentially creeping into the first round is that for whatever reason i'd maybe you know this change this will change like things get so crazy between now yeah. and the end of april that's you know maybe he becomes the the guy they pick out of the hat as, as the hot name uh that week going into nashville or whatever but it feels like he kind of sits with like a mid mid second round type yeah, of stock mike right wallace now. fell to the third round in his okay. draft i don't ex- i don't quite expect that with hall but i also don't really expect him to be in the first round so it's either outcome is is within the range of possibilities but i i like him a lot i mean if he goes to a team like green bay it's like i i, I can't rule out too many things because the downfield threat that he poses is profound and no, if he has on jamon Moore once again yes that would be perfect actually uh but yeah so he's he's a guy i'm pretty high on and we're both i think higher on him than a lot of people uh i I think they they should reconsider if so i'll uh, post the dm that we had uh, about <laughs> hall over over last summer where oh yeah some lofty and stuff. fusu fusuvu was also a, a very early uh, hype guy for emmanuel hall so right. everybody who tries to catch on to that bandwagon later can can be known for liars there at most fourth in line but anyway i'll with the fifth pick we, we can get to josh jacobs here because i'm passing on him i'm taking his teammate damian harris who i am pretty much convinced is better at this point even if you think that it was it a, a groin hamstring something like that with jacobs he oh, sat uh, out the hamstring. combine okay so hamstring he had the pro day testing at 219 pounds of 
depending on who you look to for the source, it's four six flat to about four six six between the first and the second runs. He maybe is still a little limited. I don't know. He was timed at he was cited at least at four five flat twenty seventeen spring practices, but that could have been around more like two hundred and eight two hundred and ten pounds rather than the two nineteen he ran it today. Or mm-hmm. sorry, not today. The the reason pro day this week. Yeah, yeah. So that's you know if if you want to reason like well it's the injury i'm i'm conceding that might be it but i still need you to answer the part about the weight differential why why that would need to be ruled out as the cause for the the 40 time going up the broad jump was i think 112 inches which is about which is the same as guys like Dion lewis ahmad bradshaw and uh there was one other guy i can't remember but literally just three non-awful cases the uh, dominic davis who was a guy on the texans like 10 years ago and he was a good player before sure. he got hurt but those are ex- we're into extreme outlier territory as an objective sense with jacobs and i'm not taking him here harris was super productive at alabama and he checked the boxes at the combine nothing outstanding but in a weak running back class i don't think we can rule him out as the first running back taken and as long as he's got that going for him that's that's some big currency uh and especially in a class where we're thirsty for running back so yep. even if you don't think he's as good as the receivers that will go after him in these picks i think you can rationalize damian harris as a top five pick and uh, indeed in this scenario i'll take him there yeah because when he does become uh or if he does become the first running back off the board in april then obviously he's going to you know have that built-in role presumably and with that i think that you know the runway will be clear and i've always loved damian harris's play strength i think that he's yeah. just like you know from the, in terms of like the lower body uh strength that that he has it's really really impressive he's a, just a really tough guy to bring down he's not like the most like mind-blowing athlete or anything it's like a bigger Devonte freeman or something like, I like that i expected a little bit more from him this year but again uh, alabama gave a lot of those uh red zone touches to josh jacobs who you know turned turned a lot of that into touchdown production and I think that was part of the reason why people just were so quick to boost him up uh, as as their RB one, and you know that they, they are scrambling back to their bunkers to to find answers and, and excuses for. That well, now. the excuses will Kareem Hunt ran a four six two, and that's what happens every single time. Every single time somebody is a fan of a running back who runs a four six, it's the new. Uh, well, Emmett Smith ran a four. Jerry Rice ran a four seven nine or whatever. You know, just these these crap. You know. It, 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 Anquan Bolden was the replacement Jerry Rice and and as Emmett Smith has faded from the 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 slow running back justification now we're on to Kareem Hunt but whatever Kareem Hunt ran a 462 you know who ran a 465 Samaje Pirine so like let's let's look at it objectively and acknowledge that that's a red flag even if you're still a fan yes thank you so uh yeah the all of that uh, leads into some concern when it comes to uh, Josh Jacobs, and certainly not going to be going fifth overall, like like nope. that like that first uh, NFL.com mock. My, just I think I think that was just to like you know shake the beehive a little yeah. bit, but but at the same time, like ugh, come on, man. Hate clicks are still clicks. So, uh, but yeah, I I am not interested in Jacobs anywhere near this current pick that uh, we just took Harris at five. Okay, all right. So moving on to pick number six. This is this is tough because I, I like so many of the receivers in mm-hmm. this exact tier, so it's like hard to pick between them. Trade down. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and snipe your guy. I think uh, I'm gonna take JJ Arcega Whiteside. I was like, which guy? I love all these receivers <laughs> I, pretty much, but yeah, I love Arcega Whiteside. That's a good pick there. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I just lo- love the red zone ability, his ability to just go up and get it. You know, 14 touchdowns this past year. I, I don't know off the top of my head the number of passing touchdowns that Stanford had this year, but I not I assume, a lot. I assume he had over half of them at, at the very least and goes for over a thousand yards and Stanford you know they don't run this you know up-tempo spread offense they're very much uh, counter to that they run a very slow tempoed uh, offense that, that tends to be run first things got a little bit wonky this year with Bryce Love just falling off the face of the earth um, but our Sega Whiteside stepped up uh, and was a huge boon to that offense regardless uh 63 grabs on, on 97 targets for a little bit over a thousand yards and those 14 touchdowns also had nine touchdowns on 48 uh catches uh last season so it's not like he, he's doing this mm-hmm. coming out of nowhere he's got a, a great frame i really like the frame there i think that he can win on the outside and he'll he'll be a guy that te- whoever ends up taking him they're going to look to him every time they get inside the 20. And, and also, I mean, he can play between the 20s as well. He's not just limited to being red zone guy. I think that's a bit tropey, but he is pretty killer at that. And I think mm-hmm. you can't uh, do a full analysis on him without at least acknowledging that. Yeah, I love Arcega Whiteside. As much as we have him ranked in the next tier, I don't, I, I think there's a, 
I don't know, like a one out of four chance that he finishes as or is as good of a fantasy asset as those first three receivers because whereas like Enkil Harry is the guy who uh, makes all those insane acrobatic catches just like jumping and then twisting in the air and flying around to make his catches jj arcega whiteside is the guy who makes that same play but because he runs his route so good he's not like backflipping when he makes the catch he just makes it kind of easily yeah and i think he's really good I, I, if he tests well enough at the stanford pro day i'm leaving open the possibility of moving him into the first tier i think he's really good in between the 20s he's a big slot guy who's too big for nickel corners and, and a tough route runner to cover no matter who you are and then mm-hmm. in the red zone it's like throw whatever you want fade slant doesn't matter uh the ball is his so yeah i love our sega white side in general and uh if, if you are in the first second pick or whatever and you want to move back into the mid to late first if that's an option to you i think if you do that and you get our sega white side it's pretty pretty nice way to go uh as much as i also love the the players preceding him um but yeah with the next pick i'll take another receiver paris campbell uh he ran that four three at the combine he was pretty limited raw skill set wise pretty much did lazy drag routes and caught shovel passes at ohio state but um that kind of speed and that kind of production it's it's a lot to work with and as much as he might be a project from not getting reps in certain capacities when you're looking at a receiving core as deep as ohio states you also have to consider just like why would they ask him to do more when what they asked him to do worked Mm -hmm. like it wasn't as if they kept going back to him in a, in a high profile game and it's like oh the, the paris uh, campbell thing is not working uh it's like kept working so they didn't tinker with it and he's although he's a redshirt senior he's only going to be 22 this year because he skipped kindergarten i guess so the age concern doesn't apply so i'm willing to project the skill set growth since he's pretty young for his experience level and when you have that kind of speed and he, he makes a good point in his interviews like he didn't prove that he can't run other routes they just never asked him to do it right so when you got those tools and when you're still young i think you you err on the side of optimism and so uh i like paris campbell also as much as, as not as much as these other guys but like there's a chance he's the best receiver i think because if the skill set does round out it's like what is he missing then and just as easily i don't blame anyone for being skeptical that he does add to the skill set because both instances have happened in the past with sure. different players yeah so you you know you do wonder about how much he does round it out but if, athletically it's hard to bet against the the idea that, that he that he you know couldn't so he, he's not as polished as curtis samuel who everyone's probably going to compare him to he's yeah. he's kind of unprecedented like he is a bit of a project there's just a lot of reason to think he can work yes i, I think i think that's a fair enough analysis on, on him and yeah the the blazing speed it's going to play it's going to get him onto the field in due time and i think you know if he if he ends up in the right landing spot presumably a place that like knows how how to use him and has a specific idea of of how they're going to go about it yeah um then i think that you can kind of optimize his production uh from there because he showed to be very very good at at the things that he did and was tasked with at ohio state uh picking number eight i went the hakeem butler route okay um shaking things up a little bit here that's what for the record the rest of the the dynasty community has him ranked much higher than i do and and even this eighth overall pick i think might be low for the emerging adps like some people take him like first overall in a lot of drafts and i will never do that but i kind of get it i mean it's just like the athleticism is so crazy i mean for a guy at six five two twenty seven to run a sub five or four five uh 40 yard dash with it with you know elite numbers in the broad jump just insane catch radius that, that he has you know sort of it's hard to really come up with it with a solid comparison there isn't anybody. one yeah. truly so. i mean i mean it's like the closest thing is maybe like plaxico burris but even burris is a weird case because he's just a different kind of player sure um probably had more of an underneath intermediate skill set than butler but Butler is one of those things or he is one of those players who his strength could be so profound that even if he's useless in the other respects it might be such a profound threat to the defense that at the very least it opens up things underneath and an intermediate but um yeah he's he's a guy i'm not counting on for much more than downfield targets but there is a chance that he's just like a a totally new category of player as far as that specific threat yeah he's just wild to watch i mean uh he goes ahead uh not like the most uh 
he's not like AJ Brown again, where, where he's catching everything. That's he's got hands him, questions. He, he, like he even sure Emmanuel Hall has some hands questions, and Butler's are significantly worse in my opinion. It's it's one of those things where if he isn't doing like twelve yards, ten to twelve yards a target. He could be kind of a bit of a drain just because you're probably not going to expect him to approach like 70% catch rate or anything no, like that. No, he, he was hovering a lot closer to 50 th- this year when when he kind of really had his breakout with Alan Lazard out of the picture at Iowa State. But, I mean, for him to be, you know, over 10 yards a target with a true freshman quarterback, I think Brock yeah. Purdy is, is fairly promising in his own right. But uh, for him to, you know, turn, again, 60 catches into over 1,300 yards and nine scores, like that's, that's pretty awesome. Him, uh, even in the Big 12, if, if you want to, you know, ding them for the defenses he was going against, and he, he's pretty nasty after the catch too. So I mean, the 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 hit rate on you know times that he does catch the ball, it being a, a drive or game altering type of play, I think is pretty high. Yeah, I agree. It's it's uh, especially with the league going into a, like a permanent three receiver offense. It's like if you have him as one of those three every single play, it makes things easier for the other guys, even if he isn't the the particular player making the play in that case but uh yeah i won't argue against him in the first round of drafts although i i am somewhat stubborn about the like he's not going to be in my first tier it's like that's that cuts off i think at jj arcega Whiteside for the most part and I, I also have campbell a bit ahead of butler but uh in any case with the ninth pick another receiver that i think everybody likes andy isabella uh doesn't project to as much well-rounded potential as someone like arcega Whiteside or uh you know the big three at the top but when you have that four three one speed and you produce like he did at Massachusetts, it's like even if he's rough at some things like losing a jam, even if he's even if he's not like uh, even if he's got short arms and small hands, it's like he as a target cannot really be tracked by a defense if you use him the right way. Just if he can't handle the jam, then put him in motion a lot, get him in the slot, have him run double moves from there have him have other guys setting pick routes to get him loose and just throw at him and uh if massachusetts play was any indication that will work and it's it's kind of funny how directly he he how he edged out the 4-3-2 that denzel ward ran at the combine and it was like everybody's like oh we we know andy, andy isabella is pretty fast and uh he beat denzel ward in the 200 meter in high school but who knows how that played out and then it's like very specifically the exact same scenario <laughs> photo finish by like a nose uh beats him with the 4-3-1 so 4-3-1 guy who produces like isabella at some point you just got to stop overthinking it yeah i think so too so i was actually very torn between him and butler two kind of very different players but um two guys who i think will have a, a ton of uh production at the next level i really like that isabella pick a lot uh next this is where this is kind of signals like a drop off for me i'm, I'm very yeah. torn like i, I I worry about me like I love Nicole Hardman. I love what the upside looks like. It just feels like even with the, the solid combine that he put together, it's it kind of feels like all quiet on the Western front. Like I feel like he hasn't like he won't get press hype stock. though. Yeah. It it won't be until or unless there's like leaked reports of team big boards mentioning him really high because no one's made no one's made their brand based around him. There's a lot of brands based around like Hakeem Butler and David Montgomery and, and the Dynasty Internet community. You just hate Iowa State what's that you just hate iowa state i just hate iowa um uh, but yeah it's uh you know the plains i hate you all but i think it's i think it's just one of those things where uh there's no market for it there's no there's if you go on twitter right now or like well the georgia fans of course will go wild or whatever but if, if you're you trying to get them. like those big retweets those those big faves Michael Hardman doesn't really have the constituency for that right now. It's all it's all the dynasty community's pet favorites. It's, like there's no constituency for Emmanuel Hall either, and it's like you people are not paying attention. Like you're just not. You're yeah, not paying blatantly attention. Blatantly, just ignoring yeah. amazing athleticism. Like you believe whatever. It's fine to believe whatever you want to on whatever basis you want to, but like at least acknowledge. Like you just believe these things because you feel like it, and you've decided that this is how it's going to be. It's like if you if you really believe David Montgomery is going to be like some kind of f- top fifteen pick or something, you're, you've you've been telling yourself a mantra all this time and you're just hypnotized. Like that's really all it is. Um, but anyway, I, I'm a fan of me, Cole. Uh, are you, are you taking him there? Yes. I, okay. I, I lock him in at, at pick number 10, uh, just for, for those keeping score at home. Um, I really like, uh, his background. We, we've been over it on the, on the podcast, but you know, just quickly, uh, number one athlete in his class coming out of high school, uh, played mostly defensive back for Kirby smart in, in year one there moved him over to receiver in, in 2017 had a good year. Um, you, you always use the anecdote of him dusting, uh, Tony Brown of Alabama in the national championship game. Love that play. Uh, it, it kind of 
shows everything that you can like about Mikol in, in one, you know, kind of nice tiny parcel yeah. because it's just it shows him with blinding speed and big playability and the ability to take the top off a of defense and you know just completely alter the course of a game unfortunately it didn't completely alter it but um it did for a minute <laughs> for a minute he's a high motor guy who loves football and i bet yeah. football coaches are going to just love him too especially if you especially if they're one of those southern coaches who can really understand what he's saying anytime <laughs> I, I, I look at his uh, instagram stories every day he's he's really putting in the work right now so and he's, he's bright i mean i, it, I don't want to make it sound like the the accent is like oh it's a dumb thing and it, it's it's a lot of people will also assume it means like inner city accent it's not yeah, that he's like Elbert. deep south yeah it's just like you're just not from here you, you don't you don't understand what we're saying kind of thing but uh like when when you read what he writes and stuff it's like oh yeah he's, he's plenty smart so if he's if he's smart in real terms he's probably going to be really smart in football terms and he's enthusiastic so a guy like that with tools like that the five-star background like he has he's going to get drafted higher than people think his stats merit but i think this is one of those rare cases even as someone who's a, a production kind of stickler it's like no the context explains it the context yes. absolutely absolutely explains it. And Georgia was one of the most run heavy teams in all of college football the, the last couple of years, especially among uh, Power Five schools. But Jake Fromm, obviously, a pretty good quarterback. But uh, Mikol kind of reached another level uh, this past year in terms of his production. Did really really well this year. So I mean, I I thought of him as a potential sleeper coming into the season. Now uh, I've, I'm you know sold on him being again like a, a first round dynasty type of asset. Yeah, I think he's going to surprise people in the real draft, go top fifty, and I I think he can be kind of like a a Percy Harvin who's more comfortable downfield or maybe, you could just easily say a Percy Harvin who's not as good under as out of the backfield and underneath he's he, Hardman's going to be able to play downfield more than Harvin did I think I think so um, too but yeah with the 11th pick I'll take Kyler Murray it's just one of those things where he's get, whoever he's playing for he he can throw the ball far and accurately and he can run so he's going to play whoever picks him will need to put him on the field immediately i think anyway i'm just gonna assume that and uh even if they don't decide to do that out of out of like just uh the need to do it on the basis of his draft capital i think he'll win a starting job wherever he goes uh rushing production is a loophole in fantasy so i i think he's a, a source of potential top five fantasy quarterback in the next couple of years so i'll i'll pick him here yeah I, I like that call and i think we also kind of exhausted the well of of guys that you would want to take in front of him anyway so yeah yeah no like smart play not many uh, like easy projection cases to justify the upside for it's like with kyler he might seem risky but he isn't at all at this point no the, the film is just nuts the production backs it up um i think the like the arm and the athleticism the, the combination of that and his ability to read defenses pick that up i mean he's been a legendary quarterback since he was 14 years old in the state of texas i mean just you know an all-time great uh, high school quarterback in that state which is you know pretty pretty high water there and for mm -hmm. him to to come in the year after baker mayfield and kind of put up better numbers than baker mayfield even like that's just preposterous and he added obviously the more rushing yards and in fantasy like you said uh that just only uh bolsters it and he's he's just so he puts he throws such a good ball it's mm -hmm. it's just insane so really like that pick uh at 11 this is yeah i think this is sort of where we signal a bit of a drop off end of the first round it's, folks it's very tough for me but and i was really really high on him until the combine i'm still high on him but uh you know i don't i don't think i can like dunk on people as much as i would like but uh i will go darrell henderson oh i love Memphis. no i like that pick i i still have the faith i briefly lost it but even I though he so. ran the 449 i wanted the 44 flat but it, if i, I thought it was of, a 437 unofficial at one point it was oh like, man oh baby yeah when i but it's like when you think about it more it's like wait if he ran a 44 flat then you'd be like i need to take him in the first round like of the nfl draft like that's how good he would be if he had that kind of speed so uh i think his worst case scenario is almost uh, not the worst case scenario of course things could go worse but it, he should be able to play like a d'angelo williams type even if he's not like 80 yard touchdowns over and over like in college he's too good at making long runs to not be able to make like eight yard runs in the nfl you know yeah. like he he's four four nine he's not slow he's if he if he loses five pounds before the season and he's running a four four flat that would surprise no one so i love daryl henderson if if he's falling to 12 which i mean he is here and he could fall later i guess in some other drafts where people are still taking like kelvin Harmon and you know david montgomery ahead of him <laughs> uh daryl henderson's a, a pretty screaming value in that case i think and i, I would definitely pick him there too yeah, well thank you kindly yeah but uh first pick of the second round i guess uh, similar logic or rather no that's not similar logic but uh 
different strain of, of attacking the same market. Uh, Rodney Anderson at Oklahoma, particularly with Josh Jacobs ruining his reputation as the, you know, the, the blank slate high upside athlete, Rodney Anderson is that guy now. And I don't know if he's going to be able to run before the draft because of that knee that he got the injury on back early in the fall i think week one or two yeah um, but yeah he's you turn on the tape and he ran he ran away from that georgia defense killed them the roquan defense yeah so he, he's 220 he ran away from georgia it's, it's a weak class i'm not overthinking it beyond that i'll, I'll take it i'll take a gamble on that because yeah, the running backs are pretty much a, a dearth for me after that it's a, it's definitely a gamble but it's one that if it if it does pay off it's gonna pay off huge um right i, I really like his skill set it's just it's he's got a lot of injury red flags to that uh, you need to kind of rectify with yourself yep. but again if it if it works out if the knee is okay and, and the other injuries you know don't nag him uh then i think that's that's probably ends up uh being a steal this is again a, a tough one I'm trying to think where i want to go with this one but i think i'm going to go all right I, i'll i'll back up what i said on, on twitter where i where i said that no player raised his stock more uh, relative to it, to his, uh, to it coming into in, into Indianapolis, uh, then Miles Boykin out of Notre Dame makes sense. And I mean, the tools at the, at this point in the draft where you've got guys with questions of some sort, no matter what, you can make it a really you can really easily argue it's like okay so defer to the guy who's six four two twenty and was reasonably productive on his team last year and otherwise ran the four four two with you know emmanuel hall like jump numbers uh, if it wasn't for hall i believe boykin would have had a couple records with some of those yes so hall i, I guess we missed the, that i think with the vertical especially yeah hall set the the uh, broad jump record for receivers i guess we might have glossed over that a bit but uh, a little bit. yeah Boy- so much boykin is talk about otherwise boykin's not a total workout warrior i mean people might find limitations in his film but when you have testing like that i i really feel like you got to just be humble enough to realize your eyes might not be as one-to-one with athletic reality as you would just guess like some especially bigger guys is like they can move as fast as a smaller guy and the smaller guy will look faster because his feet are going turning yeah 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 so i i'm kind i'm basically agnostic on boykin but i think he's easily justified pick here okay yeah i thought so too again the combine really sort of like reopened my eyes to him because yeah like you said Coming in, I didn't love the film. I, I thought that he was just sort of. He I overlooked him entirely. I didn't um, even know who he was hardly. I just I was just like, oh, that undrafted Notre Dame receiver. I, and you know, it's funny. I wrote a note uh, on our college section before that. Um, I think Notre Dame was getting ready to open up spring practice, and they said that Chase Claypool was going to be taking over the Miles Boykin role. He's like, oh well. Boykin oh. is bigger and faster, so, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Claypool's bigger and faster, or something. You know, kind of like a dig at, at Boykin, and now now it's sort of like I'm. You heard gonna, it here, folks. John McKechnie thinks Chase, uh, Chase Claypool is going to jump a uh, 49 vertical. Uh, he is Canadian, so yeah. I'm not I'm not doubting it. But um, at the same time, yeah, I, I just kind of had to had to go back to the drawing board on Boykin, and the 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 tools are enough for me to to want to pull the trigger on him. So I, I really like uh, getting him here early in the second round i i agree with basically every premise there i will for my sixth or the 15th pick here i'll double tap uh injured oklahoma sooners with marquise brown and i've, I've had trouble figuring out what i think about him the injury itself scares me from a, a long-term playing point of view but there's a lot of media in the past couple of weeks who are projecting that he's still going to be a first round pick and i assume they are somewhat sourced media people like i assume you know, if, if if Marquise Brown in the first round was not a was not at all a possibility, then basically like Mel Kuyper would have been, you know, scaring people off of him or something. Mm-hmm. And instead it seems to be just he's holding in the late first kind of stock. So if the NFL takes him there, I'm buying back in because I'm assuming they basically determined they don't think the foot is an issue. And I don't think that one sixty six weight measurement is that significant. I don't think it's that insightful because if you have a broken foot, that alone is keeping you from adding muscle weight. And if you have a surgery on that foot, you're just not doing anything for a while. So I think he would have weighed like one seventy three at worst, but I think he could have gotten up to one seventy five. It's fair to fear though that if he had been at one seventy five, he would have only run like a four four seven or something like that instead of the four three five that he pretty much needed to run to to conventionally project as as a as the kind of person who could otherwise break that 
outlier status of being as light as he is. It's like you need to be as fast as Deshaun Jackson if you want to be as good as Deshaun Jackson is when you're as small as Deshaun Jackson is. So uh, those things are working against him. But if if the NFL is going um, for him, I'll go for him too. Yeah, I love the play speed, and you know I, I don't doubt that if he was able uh, to test, that he would have tested extremely well. So uh, that that pick could end up being really you know getting him for pennies on the dollar type of thing if you know he comes back from the Liz Frank injury. Yeah. The same, the same type of player we'll try to go a little faster with the remaining picks because i, f- I feel like after marquise we're kind of it, jacobs is the last brand name really uh, as far as our rankings go so yeah. we'll, we'll start giving you some jabs here okay so my next pick uh, pick number 18 overall i'm gonna go justice hill again it, it's a bit of an un- uninspired class and while uh at running back and while guys like anderson uh might have like the injury red flags hill doesn't necessarily have that um oh do you did you pick him too? Oh no, sorry. I was, I was typing him in for you. Got it. I'll um, delete mine right here. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're very techy folks. Um, but yeah, I just I liked the three year production out of Hill. He tested uh, a little bit better than I was expecting at the combine. He was a guy who I thought uh, was in like the the running to be one of the fastest forties. He ended up being the best uh, forty among running backs, I believe. Uh, so you got to love that. Uh, added some bulk to his frame over his time in Stillwater. So he's playing you know at around one ninety eight as opposed to you know being closer to like one. 170 175 which is what he showed up yeah at, he so. had almost 30 pounds and then still was running a 404 flat yeah, with a good awesome. jump so uh, i compared him to ronnie hillman but i you know there's a dimension out there somewhere where ronnie hillman is an all pro every single year so uh ronnie. justice hill has a shot yeah absolutely and i'll take he's worth taking there yeah i'll take debo samuel at 19 I'm, I'm agnostic on debo i think he's weird in the sense of like his production is strange to me and he's overaged a bit but when you watch the tape the skills set seems to be there the testing was totally good to be 214 pounds and run jump the way he did is is more than checks the box so uh given that i'm just going to defer to the film where he uh despite his uneven numbers he showed a propensity to just get a ball and then run away from people yeah it's it's hacky but like he just seems like he's good at football like he does seem that way like he's just he just uh he just balls out there every time that he that he's there and i think if if things went right his junior year in 2017 and he didn't break his leg, he'd already be in the NFL. We've already, we'd already be talking about him from a fantasy lens in the NFL, um, and he would have probably had a successful rookie season, especially in a year last year where like it wasn't the most loaded receiver class. Um, right. So, so um, Debo kind of caught the unlucky draw of being in a, in a very, very loaded receiver class, um, but I, I think that he will end up being a success at the next level. Yeah, I like him in the third round, I guess. Yeah. And uh, okay, so moving on, pick twenty. I'll I will uh, stop Josh Jacobs's fall here. I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and, and nab him. I, Hero. I was, I was gonna go Alex Barnes, but it, and I love Alex Barnes, and I hopefully we'll pick him at <laughs> some point before this podcast is over. But um, it. I was like, are you really going to pick Alex Barnes over, over Josh Jacobs? D- don't. Just you, don't. Right now with this pick, you can just at the very least say, I'm hedging the chance that he actually was hurt and that he might like time a little better at a retest or that, that, they, that, they, that it just is that he's hurt. That's That explains the bad time because if so, we're back to square one with him pretty much. There we go. So I, I, I still expect him to be you know a top 50 selection, I, I guess. Um, it, it, and, uh, you know, sounds like people still still are in on him the uh, truth or the yeah. fan club is not going anywhere they just don't care what he does no, if, if he reruns and runs a four eight five they'll say like well that's different from holyfield uh but anyway uh i'll so take Hawk- i'll take hawkinson as the first tight end at 21 i like him clearly better than fant but most people are the exact opposite at this point and i get it but i'm not gonna budge on this i've seen enough jared cook's uh chris greggs over the years that i don't care that noah fant is just a, a great athlete i need more than that and the production legs to hawkinson so hawkinson's my guy between the two and they they got to iowa at the same time did they not yeah and it's one of those things where it's like yeah fant is a great track athlete but who looks faster off the snap who looks faster running routes especially underneath an intermediate like i don't think fant gets off the ball and i don't think fant is natural enough as navigating traffic to play as fast as he is whereas with hawkinson even if he's only running a four seven it's like he plays f- at just the same speed that yeah, he there's no loss yeah so uh, i think hawkinson will be really good and even with my bias against tight ends and dynasty rookie drafts uh 20th pick is an easy buy for me yes i i like that pick too i was definitely considering him uh at at, at a pick 18 or whatever it was um let's go next pick for me i will go miles sanders out of penn state um sort of a one-year uh 
resume because obviously he was playing behind Saquon Barkley for for the first couple of years, but really high recruit blue chip guy and was really, really productive uh, during his time at Penn State as the starter um, in an offense that kind of otherwise uh, took some steps back this past year. So I thought he did really well. And it just felt like at, at this stage of the draft, considering who else is out there at running back, it felt like he was the play. And I think that there there are some people, there's some noise now that Josh Jacobs has kind of fallen off um, in some people's minds that, that Sanders has like a somewhat of a case for RB1. I'm not necessarily saying that, but I, I like that it's even being talked about. He's got unique athleticism in this class, certainly. And if he's not if he's not fumbling, which is his main issue, then there's a lot to like, a lot to like in any particular offense too. So yeah, I, I definitely like Sanders there and this is definitely the the range that I think we start to see the third tier of running backs go off the board and I'll take Dexter Williams next Uh, I don't feel strongly about Dexter Williams versus Miles Sanders or Alex Barnes it's just one of those things where you know one of these guys have about the same level of chance to get an opportunity to play and that's all I'm really chasing is like I don't whoever's best of these three doesn't matter it's who gets the chance to play and i can't know that so i'm just taking some shots and hope, hopefully one of them hits so i'll take dexter williams okay I, li- I like that and yeah williams has some, has some run away from you type of ability and some, some big play stuff so i like him a fair bit uh for my next pick i will go alex barnes out of kansas state uh just a a bowling ball type of runner, uh, very uh, dense at six foot two twenty six. Loves contact, absolutely craves it. Um, gets after it just just as you would want and expect out of a Kansas State running back. And he he was really productive, uh, or really like effective uh, from his first days there when Kansas State was kind of blindly going with more senior uh, type of runners. Whenever Barnes would get the chance to get on the field, he would shine. I mean, as a freshman, much smaller sample size than what we saw in these in these last two years, but. 56 carries worth and he was running for about eight yards a carry so that that was impressive and then uh this past year runs for over 1300 yards and 12 scores while averaging over five yards a carry behind an offensive line that wasn't great i know it has dalton riesner who's going to be uh an nfl lineman but not like the grit not like he's running behind the greatest line and teams also knew that he I, i would imagine that he was running against loaded boxes a lot um, and he was still able to put up those kind of numbers. He outproduced the other Kansas State running backs by a lot too, like Charles Jones and those jokers who would always be like 4.1 yards per carry. Like Barnes was doing like seven and a half a couple of years ago, and then he settled in as like a five and a half guy where no one else even approached five. So yep. So I, I, lo- I love the play strength. I think that there's a bit of untapped uh, potential there. Um, he's not going to be a, a great pass catcher or anything at this next level. Only caught you know 20 of his 31 passes. Usually you you want a higher catch rate out of your running backs um, and, and some more efficiency in, in that regard I mean only 194 yards on those targets but again Kansas State didn't have a great passing uh, attack either but he's going to be a, a, a you know two down runner is my is my expectation but I think he can be effective especially in short yardage situations I think teams will, will want to use the battering ram and it's him yeah he's he's one of those guys if he gets on the field that you're buying in that case but uh next guy i like a lot and i don't see anyone talking about him i I get it it's a deep receiver class but i like gary jennings a lot out of west virginia he had really subtly great production even with sills catching most of the attention there uh 70.9 catch rate at 9.5 yards per target over the last two years and then at the combine he had a really bad three cone but he had a good 20 yard shuttle which makes me think like i don't know the the terrible three cone is probably just the one i'm ignoring there because otherwise at an above average weight of uh, i think it's like 215 or something uh had above average marks for all of the vertical the broad jump the 40 and once i have the production accounted for and that kind of athleticism he has the skill set to play in the slot or outside easily overlooked but I, I think he is exactly that overlooked yeah he he definitely is so i think that he could get some more love and i think um I remember in his production profile that in 2017, he was more of just like their high volume move the chains type of guy. And this year he kind of took off and and became more of a deep. uh, Every single time they got to the red zone two years ago, it's just chucking up phase to Sills because he's tall, didn't you know? But I think Sills has a shot in the NFL, but he's more like a slot, big slot guy who's in danger of being a healthy scratch every single week uh whereas jennings i'll be actually disappointed if he doesn't turn into something there we go yeah i, I, I do like the jennings pick uh there i think there's some, some potential upside and again he, uh, like you said he's a bit overlooked uh last pick 
of the second round, I will go Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State. Um, I, again, I, I just kind of felt like there was a bit of a drop-off uh, with the skill guys at this spot, and I do love Dwayne Haskins. I've been a fan of his uh, since, since his days at Bullis and since he was committed to Maryland, which he didn't flip, but uh, ended up working out okay for him. I, I thought think, we were going to lose you there, like just full-blown catatonic. Well, when Maryland starts playing Belmont here in a few minutes, that's when I'll, go, I'll just start really <laughs> tilting in the office, but... Um, Haskins, I just think he's a pure passer, just awesome. He's he's got like no athleticism to his name, but he I think like the the Drew Bledsoe comp for him isn't isn't all that bad. I kinda like it actually. So um just a big bodied guy, great arm, reads the field well. I, I know the knock is uh he, he's not he doesn't do well under pressure. Needs things on script. It, it, yeah, and I think that like you can you you can literally just use that knock again. It's like this who guy's is bad not, when he's getting sacked. It's like okay, this yeah, guy <laughs> this guy sucks when everything's going great. He's only good when things are going wrong. I want him. Uh but yeah, so I, I I'm as sold on Haskins as I can be with a quarterback at some point. I'm like, I don't think I can figure these guys out. So uh he's gonna get the opportunity and by all known indicators he looks good conventionally. So yep. uh, with the other positions thinning it makes a ton of sense to go get an almost certain starting quarterback well, thank you. uh so yeah uh i'll take for the first pick of the third round jalen hurd this is definitely like a swing for the fences project uh, like projection case because uh high running back recruit inexplicably so because he was six foot five all along they were listing him at but, six foot Butch four Jones. <laughs> yeah they were listing him at six foot four it turns out he's six foot five it's like they knew all along it was stupid and just powered ahead anyway uh but anyway he's he was very productive for Baylor last year, which was his first at receiver. Uh, don't know if he's going to be able to run on that knee. That was an issue. And uh, if he can't run, I'm probably going to have to lower him a little bit in the rankings. But I think he's going to test really well if he can run. And six foot five guy with his kind of athleticism in this point in the, the dynasty draft is unique and i'll swing for that yeah for, for him to to change positions on the fly basically at a, at a new school and do as well as he did and, and kind of overtake some, some guys who had been at Baylor before or were, you know, he sort of like forced other guys to switch to defense and stuff. Yeah. Really. yeah, yeah. Like that's how quickly he rose up the death chart when it was go time for him. Oh yeah. They, they moved Lynch year. to defense. Yeah, cause, and he was a good, he was like, or something. Oh really? I yeah. Forget. That's crazy. But yeah, Lynch was like their leading receiver as a true freshman. Yeah. And then they're just like, ah, what if you just, I don't know, got out of here. <laughs> How about it, folks? Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I, I like her a lot. He's a super interesting guy. It's, it's, he's like listening to prog rock or something amongst prospects. He's just kind of weird, and not all of it always makes sense to you, and you can't make all the sense of it. But He has a lot cool of pedigree like for this range, too. Like he, he was one of the top recruits generally of a few years ago, four years ago, whatever it's been. And uh, in this range, you're, you're more so looking at kind of like overachievers or question marks, and I think he's he's the kind of athlete that you would expect of a five-star i'm basically guessing got it um next pick i will go antoine wesley i'll bump him up a little bit uh, out of texas tech wide receiver i like his game a fair bit i know that um you know he's not the longest track record of success and he's a bit lanky uh in terms of his build um so you you worry about him holding up to nfl level hits um but i did like what he was able to do i love the fact that he's six four long arms uh type of guy good good production i think he can hurt teams deep down the field so i thought that he was uh worth going for uh here in the third round i'll take stanley morgan next he wasn't great at nebraska or anything and i don't expect him to be great in the nfl but he should be able to earn snaps if he lands on a team that has any interest in developing him uh he had a good not great but still totally good combine and uh i don't know if he if he ends up as a slot receiver on a functional offense i like his chance of of uh you know just going with the tide he probably won't create a lot for any offense but he'll he'll he should be able to ride with a good one yeah for for the for the numbers that stanley morgan put up during his time in nebraska when it was kind of a tumultuous time a lot a lot of moving parts and and bad quarterback play that he had to deal with and for for him to like generate as little buzz as he did with the numbers that he put up i always thought that that was surprising i thought he got a little bit thrown uh under the radar or not that doesn't make any sense but whatever yes Uh, i'm I'm logie now thrown under the bus radar (laughs) i don't know my my bus has sonar 
Um, but yeah, I, I like the Morgan pick there. I, I'll go Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State with my, with my next pick. Um, really, Tons of speed. Really nice production. Yeah, th- this past year, I think he was like 15 yards a target or something ridiculous like that. Uh, shout out Dwayne Haskins again. But um, yeah, McLaurin, really great senior bowl week. Uh, really good combine too. I know Paris Campbell kind of stole the show amongst those Ohio State guys, but all those guys tested extremely well. And I don't think that that should necessarily be forgotten when it comes to McLaurin. So I will pull the trigger uh, with him there. I'm basically the Noah Fant hater, apparently, but I will take him here because uh, this is basically where I would feel comfortable taking Jared Cook if it were his rookie draft. And uh, Jared Cook is a guy who's had a totally good NFL career, was probably even more of a freak athlete than Noah Fant is. And uh, still, it's like he would have been a total bust as a dynasty pick because he took like six years to turn into a good starter. And uh, Fant, to be clear, I have no reason to think Fant will drop passes like Cook, but I do find it easy to imagine him struggling to just kind of step into form uh, especially early in his career and if you draft a guy like Fant in the first round of a dynasty draft you're going to have expectations no matter how how patient you think you are and you're going to get impatient after his first or his second year and if you do pick him at least he's got Mike Gesicki type of production right yeah I mean if if you do pick him like be prepared to lock him in for a few years and resist the temptation to sell for 50 cents on the dollar because that's exactly what you're going to do if you expect something soon there you go uh so yeah there there are some some worries about him making that making a quick transition and that, and that applies to a lot of uh, every rookies, tight end and tight especially ends. him which there is why i basically want nothing to do with his first round adp yep there we go um so i will get my first tight end here um i will get caleb wilson out of ucla he was josh rosen's top target in 2017 until he injured his foot i believe and got knocked out for the rest of that season but he was absolutely crushing it uh before then and then this past year uh ucla just kind of like fell off the face of the earth but he still managed to put up close to a thousand yards um on on just 97 targets um so he's still a big part of that uh offense and he tested really well too especially with the four five six uh in the 40 yard dash he might be a little bit skinny for your conventional tight ends just 235 pounds but i like his game a lot he seems to know what he's doing out there um so i think he you know whereas Fint doesn't maybe have like the natural instincts I think Wilson does so I'm fine with him as the number three tight end off the board I, I like uh, the upside there yeah he has the skills whereas Fant has the tools and who knows which adds up to more in the end but I'll take Tyree Jackson next uh, after he ran the way he did was it four five nine at the combine and he, he, he had he had good numbers across the board for athletic testing and he is huge uh, he ran pretty well production wise at buffalo i saw people saying oh well, that's not the same as josh allen because josh allen's a better athlete nope no. josh allen did not run at wyoming last year only happened because of that brian dable offense in buffalo and yes it worked but anything josh allen can do tyree jackson should be able to do and i'm going to be furious if he never gets the shot to show it in the nfl because if you accommodate him the way the bills accommodated allen like what's the distinction here huge guy with a cannon arm and you know questionable application in the intermediate and short routes but if he's chucking the ball or running who cares yep uh so if if allen can do it so can jackson i i will not back off that there we go yeah i I like the jackson pick there too i think he's he's a really interesting player with it with a lot of potential upside i'll go james williams i I don't love james williams here but at the same time like he's washington state's running back Mm -hmm. Uh, so the rushing numbers aren't going to jump out at you but that's just kind of a function of he plays for washington state we're talking about mike mike leach uh team here so he was really really good as a receiver though he caught 83 out of 93 targets this past year and again i know that a lot of them are very very easy or you know the sort of pop pass uh type of things but you know still that's a ridiculous percentage so i think that just his pass catching skills could get him on the field as a third down guy so i I thought as far as guys with with uh, their respective paths to getting on the field at the next level i thought williams kind of had one because of the unique uh, pass catching skill set yeah he's super developed there if nothing at all else uh, i'll take travis homer next and nice. i've been getting really fixated on a carry on johnson comparison for him and you would it would be reasonable for someone to ask well if you think he's like carry on johnson why didn't you pick him sooner and that's because i'm still not sold on carry on johnson as more than being just like a good running back and i don't i last year he had a really good run blocking from that detroit offensive line uh took a full advantage of the space they created but i didn't see him create much for himself i saw him exploit space effectively and homer 
had really good consistently above six average uh, six yards per carry average at Miami tested really well at the combine which I didn't quite see coming but in hindsight it kind of makes sense because he you know was always explosive at Miami and the 44840 39 and a half inch vertical 130 inch broad jump that is very explosive and he's also very young like carry on Johnson was so as much as Homer only weighs 201 I can imagine him getting up to 210 and maintaining all that athleticism in which case he could be more like in that Miles Sanders kind of tier of athleticism okay yeah no I think that uh, yeah Homer kind of flies under the radar a little bit but he's a he's an interesting uh cat with with uh, you know i do like that uh carry There's on something type there. of comp yeah. um i will go with uh john Vay johnson uh okay with my next pick i know that he didn't get invited to the combine and i'm should have been i'm having trouble pulling up his uh his per target numbers uh at the moment but they were I, rotating him and thompson and uh the other the, guy a little Deontay bit because i remember john Vea was putting up huge numbers a couple of years ago yes he, he was uh, and then this past year uh 32 catches he turned that into 660 yards that's over 20 yards uh per reception uh so really really impressive there and he was a 16 yards per reception guy the, the previous year um with a little bit uh more usage 42 catches in that in that season but i think he's a guy with just great athleticism i think that they uh adam shafter tweeted out earlier this week that he had an amazing pro day i don't remember the, the numbers off the top of my head but okay. i think that dovetails with with the explosive production that he showed on the field even though uh toledo had a much uh, worse quarterback situation this past year than it did uh in recent years so i like just the upside shot here i mean that that's all these third round guys are uh no at, complaint at, here at, at any stage but yeah i'll, I'll go john Vey here with the second to Mr. Irrelevant pick, I will take Bryce Love because I'm chasing speed. That's it. I love to chase speed. Yeah. If you got the, and also it's like a year ago, two years ago, you couldn't imagine getting Love as late as you could in this year. So uh, I like, I like to, to short the, the, the short memory, the short attention spans we all have. There we go. Yeah. No, I, I like that pick there. I mean, it's, it's like, why not? Um, and then uh, to round things out, I'll get Darwin Thompson. I think he's a guy that, that Fusi Vu actually kind of turned me on to, but uh, really, really productive year this past year, despite splitting carries with, with another runner. Um, but he was going 153 carries for over a thousand yards. It's nearly seven yards per carry. Yeah. He was at a smaller school at, at, at Utah state. Uh, and I think he started his career as a Juco guy and he's only five, eight, 200, but uh, I mean, the, the production is really impressive. And I think he uh, has some play strength elements to his game where like, it's going to be a little bit like tackling a fire hydrant. And that's, that's difficult to do. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see his pro day numbers. Cause if he puts up big numbers, that would be a really big opportunity for him in a class that failed to put up good athletic testing, but maybe he can be what we wanted Devin Singletary to be yeah yeah something like that and along with Devin Singletary people will notice that we did not draft David Montgomery for what for what it's worth I don't feel strongly about Montgomery versus someone like even Josh Jacobs at this point although I, I generally am probably not going to pick either one uh, I am fully against David Montgomery in the first round but uh, I just wanted to, to you know kind of mention it's like I don't it's not that I think he should not go in this 36 pick mock we did it's just uh, just didn't quite fit but uh, he's in the same tier as a lot of these guys who i did pick yeah okay that that makes sense and you know maybe uh the haters out here that that are listening what will uh well at this point they they know they know the our score on, on montgomery i think yeah it's like you know i don't believe that any running back who people like who runs a four six is kareem hunt i just don't see things that way so no, uh, and the, and i might the, be wrong per, but i'm not gonna carry stuff over the course like some people can can you know like knock it on, on a one-year sample and say like oh it's not it's not going to completely matter and in terms of correlating one-to-one to the nfl but like we have like a three-year sample of montgomery being like a you know sub five yards per carry type of guy and that that's at least something to remember and the devil's advocate yeah. of that and i i hate to do it because it's like a chance for me to be wrong two times only once for you though uh philip Lindsay had a similar thing at colorado but the reason i'm rationalizing a distinction there is that Lindsay ran that four three nine four four flat or whatever he did at his pro day and uh yeah running a four six doesn't do as much for me no it, it it doesn't and so and that's on the record now so uh so he falls outside of our 36 that's probably the biggest name that that didn't go off the board uh here but this was a lot of fun mario uh i'm sure we'll get another one of these a little bit closer uh to the combine and we will be back again the draft ne- next week yes or i'm sorry the draft <laughs> we will actually go back in time also we do have a time machine here but um for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire NFL podcast. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.